Mark chapter 10, I'm going to begin reading at verse 46. Now there came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho, with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. I want to preach for just a little while today before our testimonies come on this subject. Cry out and shout. Hallelujah. Father, let the living word preach the written word and make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Write your words upon our hearts, upon our minds, and give us the strength, the courage to obey them. Scripture is fulfilled this day, and you are confirming your word with signs following in Jesus' mighty name. Would you say amen? amen? You may be seated. The Lord bless you. One encounter with Jesus is enough to transform your life forever. One encounter with Jesus turns mistakes into miracles, turns pain into purpose, and turmoil into testimony. I don't know if Bartimaeus realized this would be the last time Jesus would pass by this way. I don't know if he knew it or not. But something compelled Bartimaeus to cry out and shout. And to cry out even all the more louder when people tried to get him to hush up. He wanted a miracle. He wanted an encounter with Jesus. Now when we shout, it's not because we think God is deaf or that he's a bajillion miles away somewhere on another planet somewhere. In fact, shouting has been a part of the spiritual DNA of the church ever since the Old Testament. It was the Israelites who were commanded on the seventh day after the seventh time and they heard the ram's horns to shout for the Lord had given them the city. It was Gideon and his 300 men and their empty pitchers to break them and to shout and God brought confusion upon their enemies. It was the Israelites who, under King David, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back and restored, would shout the praises of God dancing before the Lord. Hallelujah. The prayer meetings throughout the book of Acts and the accounts of those speaking in tongues were not quiet, contemplative settings. They would shout with joy, prophesy and speak in tongues boldly and declaratively. 
And in one place, the Bible says the house shook as they prayed. And in another place, the entire jailhouse rocked as they shouted and praised. And Paul, in the book of Galatians, quotes the prophet Isaiah. And in essence, he's telling us, he's quoting Isaiah where he said, to shout for the barren will have more children than uh, those without barrenness. And in other words, he's saying, open your mouth and shout because your miracle is on the other side of your shout. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Open your mouth and shout because your miracle is on the other side of your shout. Oh, and that's not all. When it's all over, when it's all ended, for the Lord Himself, 1 Thessalonians says, shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. And with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Somebody say, I'm comforted with a shout. Glory! I was born again shouting, and I'm going to go out of here shouting, and you can bet your last dollar I'm going to shout in between. They're going to have to take my tongue out. <laughs> They're going to have to put the best Gorilla Glue duct tape they can find on my mouth to keep it closed. And even then, I'm going to still do it as much as I can. Hallelujah. 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 Many of you have seen it on Facebook. It's now my phone, my iPad, my computer. It's now spell-checked. It's now correct. Used to be G-L-O-R-Y. Glory, right? No. It's G-L-O-R-R-R-R-A-A-A-A-Y-Y-Y-Y. You know, and, and that's grammatically correct now. I added it to the dictionary on my phone so it would stop telling me that it's wrong because it's right. Glory! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, the Bible says, Jesus of David, or excuse me, Jesus, son of David, rather, have mercy on me. He began to cry out. Now, throughout this series, beginning back in February, we have discovered that somewhere, somehow, somebody had to tell some of these people about Jesus. The word had to spread of what Jesus was doing. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have newspapers. They didn't have cameras. They didn't have uh, the, the modern technologies we have to spread the word. It was word of mouth. And somebody had to share, I was blind, but now I see. I was deaf, but now I hear. I was dead, but now I'm alive. And somewhere he had heard, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He could not physically see. Mm -hmm. But there was something in his spirit when he heard. He might have leaned over and said, who's coming down the road? I hear a crowd coming. Who is that? It's Jesus of Nazareth. It's the healer. It's the Savior. Oh, he began to shout out, Jesus, 
son of David. Let me tell you right here, somebody. You need to be telling somebody about Jesus. You need to be talking to your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your classmate. Because if you'll tell them about Jesus, there's going to come a Bartimaeus moment in their life where they're going to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. So who are you telling about Jesus? But notice what happened. The crowd tried to silence him. It's just like you preach, Pastor Danny, you tell the dreams and somebody tries to shut you up. Amen. Let, let, me, just, let me just go on record here. And I don't, I'm, I, this is going to sound arrogant. It's not. It's just super confidence. It says bishop on my door. And as long as I'm the bishop, shouting is allowed. So help me, if I hear one saint come to me and say, Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so was a little too loud. I'm liable to go, yeah, you want to hear loud? They weren't loud enough. I'm not trying to be crude, rude, and obnoxious here. What I'm trying to tell you is shouting, running the aisles, leaping and dancing, praising the Lord is permitted in this place because God's been too good to me. And let me just stop right here and tell you, I ain't going to let anyone or anything stop or silence my shout. Mm-hmm. I'll buy you earplugs if you need them. And uh, by the way, we were in a church, Shannon can confirm this, we were in a church where there was a brother that wore earplugs. He did. He said as far back as he could wear earplugs. At least he came. But I'm going to shout. Hallelujah. Well, glory. I'm like the man, I think he was, uh, I forget what country in Africa, but, but they told him to renounce his faith and, and his, I don't know the whole thing, but in the, in the essence of all that he said, the end of it was, I refuse to shut up. I refuse to stop. Amen. You see, a fanatic is somebody who won't change the subject and refuses to change their mind. And I'm fanatical about Jesus. He's been too good to me. Uh, he, he brought me out of some places. You, you, you don't know the pit of sin that he picked me up out of. Amen. You don't know what he did for me. You don't know how it felt when he wrapped his arms around me and said, I love you. I forgive you. And so pardon me if the noise gets a little loud. But there's something about a shout. I don't remember which base it was. I believe it was an Air Force base, Brother Jeff. But there's a, somebody was telling me, I think it's in North Carolina, they said there's a big sign uh, out on the highway because jets are all be, always taken off and stuff. And it says, pardon the noise, that's the sound of freedom. Oh, come on. Pardon the shout, that's the noise of freedom. That's some people that have been set free. Hmm. Bartimaeus refused to stop. He refused to be silenced even though they, they uh, uh, tried to stop him. And because he was willing to not be silenced, the Bible says Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Let me say it this way. Your resolve to not stop shouting will cause Jesus to stop and respond to your need. The same crowd that had tried to silence Bartimaeus in one verse now have changed their tune in the next verse. Oh, be of good cheer. He wants to see you. Ain't that just like people on the fringe? One moment they're like, you know, I don't know what's wrong with you. Why are you shouting so much? And then they hear your testimony. You go, oh, wasn't that great? 
Well, then why didn't you shout with me? Ah! They had to shout before walls fell. Ah. Watch this. If you refuse to let the crowd silence your shout, your shout will silence the crowd. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bartimaeus rises to go to Jesus, but he does something significant. The Bible says, throwing aside his garment, he rose and came. That to us, it's like, well, he just took off his coat, like mine. No, no. You see, that garment was an indicator that he was a blind man. In other words, from, from um, uh, you know, average distance, you could look and say, oh, he or she is wearing that. They're blind. Uh-huh. In other words, when they said, hey, your shout has caused the master to want you, uh, you know, you need to go see him. The first thing he does is like, okay, I'm about to have an encounter with Jesus. I ain't going to need that anymore. And I could imagine if some of them standing around saying, what are you taking that off for? Oh, you'll see. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> you'll see. I'm about to have an encounter with Jesus. I, I ain't going to be needing this anymore. <laughs> Somebody else can have it. I, I'm going to leave it here because I'm about to exchange this for deliverance. Oh, hear me. You might not be blind here physically, but I feel in the Holy Ghost there's somebody that needs to take a garment of fear or a garment of anxiety or a garment of doubt or a garment of your past and say, I ain't going to be needing that anymore. I'm about to have an encounter with Jesus. I'm about to trade the garments of heaviness for the garments of praise. Shout! Glory! And for any of our guests here, any of you here and online, the reason you heard some people just shout and get up on their feet is because they had a garment experience where they said, I'm leaving that for something better. There's already been a bunch of testimonies. There's about to be a bunch more of people that have been set free and delivered from all sorts of things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Before our testimonies, I got one more thing God wants me to say here. The Lord showed me something. About 12 years ago, I was studying for a message. Never preached it. Any of you preachers ever have that happen? Some of you, it goes into a file. But Brother Danny, I, I, I just... I call mine, you know, unpreached. It's, just, it's there. And, and no joke. About this big in the file cabinet of unpreached messages. And I got some of them scanned in and whatever. And I was going through that the other day, just felt impressed to look through that. And I come across this, what I'm about to share with you. So it was unpreached 12 years ago, and it's not the whole sermon, but I'm just going to preach to you just a piece of it here. Isaiah 12, verse 1. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. You, he's talking to the Lord. Though, God, you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. You comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. By the way, in the Hebrew there, that's literally God is my Yeshua. <laughs> in other words, Yahweh or Jah is my Yeshua. <laughs> I will trust. I wish I had time to preach that, my Lord. I will trust and not be afraid for it. Yah, my Lord, is my strength and song. He has also become my Yeshua. 
Oh, right there, folks, is a beautiful message of the God manifested in flesh, oneness, apostolic truth. Oh, hallelujah. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water out of the wells or from the wells of salvation. It's not just a little cup. It's not just a little cistern. It's a well that never runs dry. Watch this. Amen. And in that day, you will say, praise the Lord and call upon his name. Declare his deeds among the peoples. That means you've got to open your mouth. Make mention that his name is exalted. We did that in our song today. Amen. Sing to the Lord. We did that. Why? For he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth, even if they try to deny it. Watch verse 6. Cry out and shout. And I plagiarized my title right from Isaiah's words. Cry out and shout. O inhabitant of Zion, that's the church. For great is the Holy One of Israel, we're the Israel of God, in your midst. In other words, God lives in your shout. God, the Bible says He inhabits the praises of Israel and we are the Israel of God. If you want God to get into your situation, Start shouting. Start praising. Because God is in the midst of your shout. Psalm 47, 1, put it up. Oh, clap your hands, all ye peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Glory. Be seated. We're about ready to have testimonies. Sister Dana, Brother Michael got called in to work, so you're going to be first if that's okay. All right, so you, you're just, just, just giving you a warning. Get ready. Amen. We'll hear Brother Michael's next week. But before, before she comes, let me say this. Brother Matt, I'll have to look it up. But there was a... a doctor that had done a study of people shouting and praising and speaking in tongues and all and I heard about it a few years ago I'm going to find it because I want to dig more into it but the essence of what he found in his study was that those people who shout and praise the Lord who are not quiet about their faith but who clap their hands and and shout boisterously and speak in tongues and so forth have some of the most uh, uh, easy under like he was talking about how their 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 bodies their minds the way everything works it, it's it's the most uh, uh, um, balanced was the word I thought isn't that something here's here's a physical doctor and he's looking at at a person's uh, uh, emotional makeup and their their body makeup and, and for those that will shout and praise the Lord it's it's the most balanced. Well, it's because he's in your midst. And, and Pastor Danny, as you preach, it doesn't mean there's some mountains we've got to climb and, and some that God moves. It doesn't mean there's some things we have to go through. What it means is, even in the pit, the Lord is still with us. Now, let me say this. We have a, two guys that get put in jail after being beat 
They're, they're tired. They're exhausted. They could have complained. But at midnight, that's significant. At the twilight moment, midnight, they say, is the furthest the sun goes away before it starts to come back. At that twilight moment where everything was the furthest away from them, the sun, if you will, that's when they sang praises and prayed. I don't know if they were on tune or not. We know they didn't have a band to play with them, but I don't, I don't even know what they were singing. Amen. But I got a feeling their shout began to reverberate into the heavens and God just turned the speakers down on some walls and said, we're going to crash a few walls. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a situation that you need God to bring you out of, I dare you to shout your way out. You know, I like using the product shout for two reasons. Number one, it does work. I've had stains before and I'll spray it on and hey, it's gone. I literally shout it out. <laughs> I also like it because it's, it's a biblical concept. <laughs> I begin to shout and all of a sudden I'm not too worried about the problems I have. So if you've got a stain of sin, shout it out. If you've got a stain of guilt, shout it out. <laughs> if you've got a stain that's bothering you from your past, shout it out. Out! Glory! Praise God. This is Dana, before I keep preaching. That's all right. You're fine. Mic is hot. It's right there for you. All Test. Okay, first of all, I'm pretty scared because it's taken me um, a very long time to stand up and to do this. So, and I'm having a lot of problems with my left eye, so bear with me if I have to focus in. Um, okay. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, the first sermon, I was about to jump out of my chair because you're about to find out why. Ever since I was a little girl, I have looked for an answer trying to understand how I got here. When I was very little, I was so confused and would go into my closet in the dark, roll up in a ball and rock and just cry and talk to myself, which at that time I did not know God was there and was listening and I was actually talking to him. I would rock and think and try so hard to figure out how did I get here? I knew my mother birthed me but how did we all get here? Sometimes I would scare myself because I thought so much about this, I literally thought I was going to disappear. I tried to ask my parents, but even though they loved me, they had absolutely no idea themselves how to explain it to me. My baby brother, whom I practically raised, we were loved by our parents, but we had troubled and very stressful childhood due to our parents not knowing God and everything they did for us was for themselves, by themselves, on their own, and it always ended up in painful trials for us all. My parents had issues that rolled over into my life. I ended up growing up with severe depression, 
and always wanting to fix everyone's problem, even though my life was a mess. In my younger adult years, because of my poor choices and not having a relationship with God, I went through some horrific trials. My depression and my need to be loved and to take care of people led me to many abusive relationships. And to escape the place I was in, I took a lot of sleeping pills and became an alcoholic. I should not be alive today, but God. God has always been there. He was just waiting for me to see him. Well, I could go into a lot, but to shorten this, I had to face more trials in my life, which now I know has made me stronger today. I always wanted a little girl. I had one in my mind. Her name was Brianna. I was going to call her Bri Bri for short. I would collect Christmas ornaments with her name in hopes that one day that pregnancy test would actually say positive, but it never happened. Instead, I had to have an emergency partial hysterectomy and the chance of having Brianna was forever removed from my life. That was so hard, I literally buried her in my mind. As time went on, my daddy, whom I loved so much, became sick. And in six months' time, I received a text message from my mother as I arrived to work that morning. The text message said, your dad is in a coma. He told, she told me where and to come right away. I drove my car, but I cannot honestly tell you how in the world I got there on a freeway in traffic going more than 80 miles an hour. I arrived at a hospital that I do not remember arriving at. But God was there. I stayed and held my daddy's hand for hours and watched the machine for his vitals, but he never came out of the coma. The hospital would not let me stay. They'd only let my mother stay. So I had to leave against every fiber in my body, and I went home to a very unkind and abusive husband. Later that night, my brother showed up banging on my bedroom door, and I got up so excited and was putting on my shoes and was ready to go see daddy. But my brother, in tears, held me, barely able to speak, and said, Dad's gone. Dad's gone. I could not breathe. And as the days went by, I decided I wanted to die. I refused to eat. My husband at that time was so jealous of all the attention I was giving to mourning my dad, he demanded me to stop mourning my dad. Somehow, I survived that trial, and a month later, my granddad, whom I loved dearly, who taught me to ride my first bike and bait my first hook, suddenly passed away. The woman he married was jealous of his attention for me, and she refused to have him buried in the burial plot next to my Meemaw, and I still have zero idea where my granddad was buried today. Then my mother could not bear to live in the house anymore, And I helped her sell it, and I helped her move. And shortly after, she was gone, and I was all alone with that abusive husband again. Some things happened, and I finally got up the courage to leave that abusive relationship once and for all. I think I finally had my eyes open when my dad died, and I was not able to mourn his passing. Time passed, and on my dad's birthday... I met the most amazing, kind, loving, gentle man, Howard Brown, my husband. That day forever changed me. 
I did not know at the time, but he and his loving family was about to introduce me to a life of freedom that I had never experienced before. I was invited to go to church with them at Conroe UPC in Texas. And the day I walked into that church, I felt peace come over me and I knew I was home. I was baptized in Jesus' name and came out of the water talking in tongues. And I had just received the most amazing gift, the Holy Ghost. Even though I was shaking and scared, I didn't understand it at the time, but God. This beautiful church family became my family, and Howard and I grew closer to God together. As time went on, we moved to Omaha for his job, and once again, I felt scared and alone. I moved three states away, no job, just married, (laughs) but God. (laughs) Brother Smith introduced us to Brother Powell and Sister Powell and the TCOO church family, and once again, I felt that peace and knew I was home. (laughs) I still had a lot ahead of me, and I was still dealing with depression, but over time and a lot of prayers, I started to heal, and for the first time, fear started to leave. (sighs) Then one night, something horrible happened that forever changed my life and my family's life and was and still is the hardest trial I'll ever have to face. (sighs) However, now, because I know God... And have been saved and filled with his spirit. I now know that the past trials I had to face strengthened me for this new trial. I am now able to choose life instead of death. In the past, the pain and the depression would have thrown me back into the world's way of dealing with it. But now I seek God daily. I stay steadfast in prayer. And I faith in worship. I dance, I sing, and I shout, and I don't care who looks at me. I give him all the glory. And even though the trial has not changed much, as Paul said while in prison in shackles and chains, I'm at peace. I'm grateful for a praying family and a praying church. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, prayer changes everything, and God is always with us. I wrote this down in a service, and I'm not sure which pastor preached it, but it stuck with me. No matter what the situation is you're facing or have faced, always know God's encouragement. The Holy Ghost will guide, lead, teach you in all things. Always seek God's righteous path for your life. He will give you the direction and light your path. God loves you. You were created for a purpose to love God and live a righteous life, doing good and giving and leading others to him, to glorify him in all you do. God is aware of everything you're going through. Although there are moments in your life that appear as if God's time is taking a long time or he never hears you, (laughs) no God always comes through on time. Romans 10, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing is by the word of God. James 1, 2, 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete 
and lacking in nothing. And I leave you with, we cannot ignore the trials in our lives. Some may be little and some may be life-changing, but through the trials we grow closer to God. For if we never had a problem, how would we know God could solve them? I heard these words in a beautiful worship album by the Collinsworth family, and I listen to it every day. Choose life or choose death. These trials we face can either choose, let's see, the, the, the trials we face, we can either choose the world's way and ignore it and numb the pain, or we could choose life, walk by faith, trust God as he brings us through the storms of life. My testimony today is not about me. It's what God can and has done in my life, in my family's life, and will do for you if you let him. I cannot tell you everything is always going to be easy, but I can tell you if you walk by faith, seek him daily in all you do, and love as he loves you, then you will have peace and joy in your life. If you choose the ways of the world and ignore God in your life, you will have darkness and confusion all around you. I choose to worship, give all my praise daily to Jesus who sacrificed his life and hung on a cross so I could be forgiven and live. God bless you all, and I pray my testimony can help someone today in Jesus' name. Wow. Now, I think she's going to share that song in either the Facebook prayer room or, or on her personal page. So uh, watch out for that. If you're not on Facebook, ask her to text it to you. She sent it to me last night. Beautiful, beautiful song. Jeremy and Courtney are going to come and share their testimonies. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Good morning. Uh, so I guess I'm going to start from the beginning in my Genesis. Um, when I was born, uh, the doctors looked at me and told my parents <clears throat> that I had a, a simian crease, which is, uh, it's now called the single transverse Palmer crease, but it's, then they thought it was a sign of Down syndrome. So they looked at my parents and told me I was going to have Down syndrome. So that wasn't easy, um, for my parents and they were not godly people at the time. They were good people. Um, they were trying to do everything right. Um, but my first belief was that in order to go to heaven, you had to be nice. I didn't have any biblical foundation in my life. It was all just be nice and, and you'll do all right in life. And by eight years old, my parents had divorced and I grew up in a split home. My childhood wasn't a dream, but I had two parents that loved me and, and tried to do their best. Um, at the age of 14, I felt I needed to fit in with a crowd. I turned to drinking and marijuana to cope with the things I had gone through in my split life, or in my split home. Uh, in a town of 7,000 people, this drinking and drugs is kind of what we did because we didn't have anything else to do. Um, in the area we grew up, it was reality. Uh, my father, growing up, was 
an alcoholic, and I would finish off his beer uh, and bring him another one. Uh, my mom had a boyfriend that I didn't get along with, and we had multiple fights, and cops were called um, between my mother's boyfriend and I. And uh, 17, I started smoking and chewing tobacco. Uh, in high school, my dad started going to church. I think I was a junior in high school. Uh, he went to a Trinitarian Pentecostal church. And I resisted. I didn't want anything to do with that. I kind of wanted to stay in my ways. I, I had my own plans. I didn't need that. Um, but in my senior year, my dad kind of kept pushing me, so I decided to go. And I would party on Saturday night and go to church Sunday morning in uh, probably pretty bad shape. Um, and then I'd leave church and light up a cigarette in the parking lot and drive away. I wanted to be young and fun. I wanted to have my fun while I could. I had a better plan than, what, than God's plan for my life. I didn't want to give up my lifestyle for what he had for me. I could do church when I was older. And I was, uh, in that church, I was baptized in the titles, uh, but I didn't understand what baptism meant. It wasn't really explained to me. I was told it was an outward expression of an inward change, but I, I found no purpose in it. I didn't get, if we, if we claim that we believe, why would we need baptism? Why would we need to get wet? Um, and while going to church, uh, I was offered to go to a Bible college and have it paid for. Um, but I declined because, again, I figured I had my own plans. I didn't need that. Uh, instead of going to Bible college, I was working in a factory job that I thought was pretty dead end. Uh, so I decided to go to community college for diesel hydraulics in 2014. But even though it was a small community college, uh, my partying got a lot worse. I started drinking a lot, smoking a lot, and it became more than a weekend thing to pass the time. It became, became showing up to class drunk, um, trying to do things, trying to weld uh, drunk. Um, and because of this, it took three years to finish my college degree, which was supposed to be two, and I'm still paying for that. Um, so while I'm still partying, still in college, I met my lovely wife, Courtney. Uh, we knew each other. I mean, we grew up in a town of 7,000. Everybody knows everybody, but our, our paths never quite crossed. Um, and we would party together, and uh, it wasn't good. Um, but when I met her, I knew she was different. I, there was something different in her. And she will explain why that is. Um, but I, I, so I stopped smoking marijuana when I met her because she was not for that, uh, thankfully. Uh, but we still continued to party. And we would, it would come to the point where we would fight to see who would drink because the other had to drive. Um, and I, I'd get drunk, and I'd, I'd look at her, and I'd say, why are you with me? I, I'm an alcoholic, you know? And, and I put that, that own label on myself. Um, but in 2016, we decided to 
move in together because my father um, got married and they had and she had kids so I felt there was no room for me so I had to leave so I moved in with her and her parents not the best thing to do but we did it um, I quit smoking in May of 2017 because I never had a reason to quit smoking um, but Courtney ended up being that reason for me um, little did I know it was more than just Courtney um, she was going to church and I started a job in construction but I was working away on the weekends so to spend more time with her she would go to church on Sundays so I decided that I would start going to church on Sundays so we started studying together and I stopped drinking and uh, I had, we were studying and I remember it vividly that we were sitting in, her, in our bedroom and I, can't, I wish I could remember the verse, but it was like a light bulb went off in my head we, for the revelation of the oneness of God and all those questions, the baptism questions, why it was necessary, all went away. The questions of who I was and who God was went away. So I received the revelation of the oneness of God, but I was hesitant to be baptized in Jesus' name because I was already once baptized and I didn't want to upset my father. But I knew I needed to. So on April 8, 2018, I was baptized in Jesus' name. And it took some time, probably because I was stubborn. Um, more than likely, if you ask Courtney, it was probably because I, I was stubborn. But... Um, I received the Holy Ghost in a Saturday morning prayer meeting. Prayer is important, and prayer meetings are important. So I never wanted, and then, so we were working in church, and, and we became youth leaders in that church, and I never wanted to leave my hometown, and I never thought I would. Um, but God's will is greater than ours. God's plan is greater than ours. So, in, I don't have it written down, March? May of 2019. Uh, we felt that we were called to move, but we didn't know where. And I'm not going to get into too much because I don't know what she's going to do. But, um, but again, like I said, I didn't want to go anywhere. I, I grew up in this small town. I was I was raised here. I, I want to raise a family here. Um, but God's plans are greater than ours. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. God's ways are greater than our ways. And where we were in Maine, things, some things happened. Um, I don't want to get into too much. I don't want to... Um, bad mouth anybody, but there was some hurt, and I didn't realize that there was hurt until I got to TCOO, and when we got to TCOO, TCOO is truly a place of hope and healing, um, but it's not just, so when I got here, I, we truly started healing, not just, um, like I said, I didn't know I was hurt until I started healing. Um, TCO has given us healing for our past and a hope for our future. 
And I encourage God, I encourage you to let God anti-COO heal you and give you hope. So if I can just say ditto, does that work? No? No, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, so before I start, I do want to thank everybody who's gone before me to give their testimonies. It has touched my heart. I cry every single time. And I'm not a crier. Well, at home I'm a crier, but. <laughs> um, and so it takes a lot of courage and strength, and I'm thankful for TCOO. Um, thank you, Bishop, for allowing us to share our testimonies and how great God has truly been in our lives. So when I was writing this testimony, I realized this is the first time that I've actually given this part of my testimony publicly, so please bear with me. <laughs> um, so I grew up in a home with married parents who loved me um, and loved God. As a young child, I attended a few churches for Sunday school and kids' choir. My mom wanted to make sure I had a relationship with God like she did, so I'm very thankful for this. In 2000, a new family moved to the neighborhood with kids the same age as my brother and I. In the years thereafter, we began to be friends and spend time together. The closer we got, we started going to church with them, and this family was the Powells. My brother and I were baptized in 2005, and I went through pictures. <laughs> and so I thought that you guys would want to see Bishop 16 years ago. <laughs> I had a black eye because I was pretty scrappy as a child. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and so I was nine at this time. And then three years later, I received um, the Holy Ghost at a holiday youth convention. And so this is me testifying about it that next Sunday. I actually have a picture of me and Braxton that I was going to do when I forgot about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so... Through this time, I continued to attend church and even uh, started taking piano lessons from Sister Powell. So in 2010, the Powells were called to Omaha. This was my first big why God question. Um, I had never really experienced any loss. All my grandparents were still alive, aunts, uncles. Um, and so I didn't really understand. I, I tried to have as best faith in God as I could. I was only 14. Um, and so at this point, I cling to my second mom, Erica Raymond, who has shaped and molded me into the woman that I am today, and I'm very thankful for her. For the next couple of years, we remained at the same church. Our pastor at this time was a sweet man. I looked up to him as a grandfather and a mentor. In March of 20, 2012, one of, the, one of his good friends moved to the area. Um, our pastor spoke very highly of him um, and said he had very great revelation. He was a bit different than anyone I'd ever met, but I trusted my pastor and trusted that he had our best interest in mind. By October 2012, my pastor and a handful of us left the church to begin a new church called Grace Message Church. I was 14 at this time, um, and at this time we had left UPC as well, this whole church. Um, so over the next couple years, um, we had to hotel in a church in the downtown area and eventually moved um, to the next town over in a storefront. We believed that God was moving. Keep in mind, we would grow by a few people every so often, but our circle continued to stay really small. Um, also note, by this time, our pastor had ste actually stepped back, um, and his friend of great revelation was now our pastor, and he called himself an apostle. 
So just for the rest of this testimony, that is why I will be calling him. Um, in 2014, I graduated high school and started college in the fall. In September of 2015, I started into my first real relationship. This man was very, he was a lot older than me. <laughs> um, and he had a seven-year-old daughter at the time who I loved. I also begged him to go to church with me, but he just didn't really enjoy it. By February of 2016, um, things were ended. And the whole not going to church with me didn't really work for me. I've always desired um, a, a Jesus-centered relationship, um, basically what I have now. Um, so I'm going to try not to cry, guys. Um, I didn't think I was going to. <laughs> so in 2016, um, this was the worst and the best year of my life. By this time, the apostle had been slowly grooming and manipulating me, along with others in the congregation. I... I had moved out into my own apartment at this time. <laughs> because he told me that I needed to get away from my parents because they were holding me back. Daily I chatted with this man on a church Facebook page. He would post food for thought posts that were so confusing and never made any sense. But if you couldn't understand them or rehash them back to him, he would get angry. I would become depressed and have severe anxiety for many days to come after this. I felt like I wasn't understanding God's word and I was made to feel like I wasn't trying hard enough. In the September of 2016, the man added me on his private Facebook page so no one else could see our messages or get jealous because he was spending too much time talking to me. He would text me while I was visiting my parents telling me that he wanted to make sure I was okay and made it home okay and that my bills were paid and had, a, had gas and uh, money for my vehicle. He wanted me to stay in my apartment so bad that I vividly remember him telling me to stop tithing so much so I could pay for that apartment. In the later days, he asked for video chats. Well, I complied with, which I complied with because I was so terrified. I didn't want God to be disappointed in me and that I wasn't listening to my leadership. He convinced me to almost cut off every single person I trusted other than him. In the end of September, things turned for the worst. He would compliment my body and talk about how he was my husband right now because I was single. He told me this was Bible. I searched and searched for this through the Bible. I would weep because I could not find it, but I was too scared to question him. He said that he was to teach me how to love a man. Days later, he drove to my apartment he made sure that it was a time of day that everybody was at work and so no one would notice. That day he sexually assaulted me. I remember when he left I lost my mind. I cried on the floor. 
I was so conflicted. All I ever wanted to do was please God, but this didn't feel right. I blamed myself. I didn't push him away. I didn't say a word. I was so scared to make God mad. I was just complying with whatever this man wanted. For the next two weeks, I avoided his asking to come back over. Keep in mind, I was still going to church three times a week at this time. He would hug me every single time. Usually after this happened, I would go into the bathroom and lose my mind. I became very good at pulling it back together so he wouldn't notice. One night before church, I finally broke down. I told Erica. This ended up being my last church service. I went and was strong. I played piano like I did. Gave a small message similar to a fiery five that angered him. And it probably was because I was talking about fake people. Once we made it back home that night, we called our old pastor. This pastor that had taken over um, when the Powells left. Um, who was still attending the church, and we told him what happened. He was outraged, and he was going to talk to him that night. That night, Erica stayed with me at my apartment in case he decided to come over. The next morning, we got a call from this pastor. Long story short, the apostle had denied everything, and the old pastor believed him. I was mortified. I stayed at Erica's house for the next few days. Erica did go to church that last Saturday, and everyone blamed her and I. To this day, I still do believe they blame us. To shorten the rest of the story, I was angry. I was angry at me. I was angry at God. I was angry at the church. I began to drink heavily. Little did I know, a guy I knew all my life was drinking to forget to. Jeremy and I met at a party in November of 2016. I wasn't looking for a boyfriend, and he wasn't looking for anything serious either. Over the next couple weeks, we chatted all the time. In December 2016, we became official. At this time, Erica and I had started attending church at the next town over. We had known the pastor and his wife for years, and we needed a place we could trust. I began to have a very surface relationship with the congregation and God. Jeremy wasn't really a church guy, like he said, um, so I would go to church without him and spend the afternoons with him. He was working weeks away. I think he said weekends, but he was actually working the weeks away and home on the weekends. So in the beginning, um, he started coming, and it was the beginning of 2018. And then by the end of February 2018, we decided to go back to our original church in Caribou, which is the one that I left in 2012. Jeremy was later baptized and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. We began, began to be youth leaders in 2019, and now we're here. And there's a lot more to the story, but for time's sake, I don't think you guys want to hear all that. <laughs> so I do want to thank TCO, because this place, like Jeremy said, has been a tremendous healing for us. Um, I want to thank the Powells for their open arms and godly counsel. And I also want to leave you with one thing. Um, this has been something that has been on my heart we have all been through tough things, but sometimes we have been the people who have caused tough things for others. If you're the offender, or if you are the one that caused hurt to someone, God loves you too. If you are part of someone's testimony, and not in a good way, it doesn't count you out 
from God's love. All the people who hurt me, they deserve mercy too. Pray for them because this has been something that has healed my heart. And I can truly say today, I didn't think I was going to cry, but I do. I pray for that man every day because as much as he hurt me, he has to carry that now. And if he truly thinks that that's correct in his mind, then there is something that needs to be healed in his mind as well. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. As Courtney was ending her testimony, my wife leaned over and she said, that's true healing. When you can pray for and forgive your offender and love them in spite of what's happened. That's, you've stepped into a Stephen-like forgiveness that says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. It's not easy. Forgiveness is not easy, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. As the praise team comes today, they're going to sing a song that just is it's biblical. It's from the book of Exodus. It's actually the priestly blessing from the book of Exodus. The Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. Ha, huh. aren't you thankful for who God is in your life? We've got more testimonies coming this month and even into April. And, and you know, uh, it, it'll come to an end and we'll go to a different series, but, but every one of you have a testimony. Every one of you have something God has done. Every one of you, amen, are blessed by God. I wonder if we could stand to our feet, amen, and just let God minister today. Let God strengthen today through his word. If you want to come around the front to pray, amen, if you want to find a place, move around and pray, I want God to touch you today. I want you to be blessed today by his word, amen, by his truth, and by the testimonies you've heard today. In Jesus' name.